side joint Ooh, cold side joint Good day, Amarin. How are you doing this fine where we are it's evening? You know, this evening I find myself pretty well, Jesse. Pretty darn well. How are you? Pretty good. I, I'm going to preface this by saying that today I have spent about six hours straight following. I have two new puppies who are very cute, but one of them is a terrorist and I've, I've, he got in the mud. He ran through the house. He got on all the furniture. He pissed on top of both me and my son's beds. Then I washed them. Then I got them out of the dryer and he made eye contact with me while he peed on them again. No. So, <laughs> I've screamed a lot. Uh, I nailed the dog door shut so that they can't go outside and get in the mud again. And now Too he's fair. outside barking. So if you truly if you hear dog barking i'm just gonna pretend it's not happening and i need everyone else to pretend with me so totally fair it's a lesson in love today our mutual mutual friend carissa called to remind me that it is saint francis day who is the patron saint of the animals so excellent wonderful so you know you have to give it give a little bit today give a little yeah I I am finding the center of love within me. However, I did start my day today by finding um, an old lady yoga class at the Y. Okay. I'm very excited about it. All Absolutely of their husbands are dead. <gasps> it's great. No, it's great for me because I'm really uh, overhearing about other people's really awesome marriages. So yes. I found a set of people that they're like 20 years dead. So I'm like, go on, ladies. <laughs> I don't have to hear about things that I secretly resent with you all. And then I was like, am I going to be able to keep up with the flow? And the teacher was like, I've had a complete knee replacement. So probably so. (laughs) I was like, I'm in. These are my, I'll be there. Manage expectations, but (laughs) I think it'll be great. I love it. So that's me. That's the recap of me. Anything new with you? Never. I'm just Never. kidding. Not right. <laughs> Not right now. No, it's sort of where, you know, the transition from summer to fall is a solemn time in my household. <laughs> um, I don't know what that means exactly. We're excited about fall. It doesn't mean that that's not the case, but I'm of an age and also of a disposition, it seems, where the weather changes and my entire body tries to shut down and tells me that we should go on a hiatus because, the weather is changing and that's apparently not good. Um, so <laughs> that's what's going on now with me and my body. And we're kind of riding that wave, I'd say. So since uh, my body does the same thing and mm. since both of ours do that and other people listening might also have that experience, I'm going to just reframe this for you a little bit because it made me feel like uh, like a big sissy to like be taken down by the lovely gradual changing of seasons like why does this give me a mystery fever and make me stay in bed for a week what is wrong Uh, it made me feel like not a survivalist and I I it made me it made me feel very very bad about myself very weak um and then I I learned I reconsidered that uh something about myself that's definitely true for you too is that we are both um, what people might call empaths. We're yeah. both um, 
what people perceive as um like legit witchy not like trendy girl rich witchy like there's something yeah. about us that is um that kind of girl and i then i think always- popular witchy that's my favorite no thing about not you know like not trendy not, not cool like trendy right now and, and so sometimes trendy by association but more like people like cross the sidewalk sometimes vibes, that's the kind of know? witchy i'm talking about yeah. i'm not i'm not I'm being <laughs> yes i'm not being self-congratulatory i'm saying no and so i don't have a boyfriend is what i'm saying right right so yes well, but because we're that kind of girl, I suspect that we feel things like the changing of the seasons, things like a yes. drop in barometric pressure. Probably we perceive and experience that a lot more than a lot of people who have a thicker skin, which is probably nice, but who also might be referred to as basic, not also not a, right. an insult, but like... I wish I could be basic in that way. I am not. I am a little more ethereal and I feel the vibes a whole lot more. It's not something I enjoy, but I have come to honor it as like, I like that I'm an ethereal girl. This is part of the package. Yes, it's it's so true. There's like all this duality in life and you really have to come to terms with your personal dualities. And I feel like this is, this is one of mine. I, I feel like it is really easy to be grumpy at times about it and forget how positive it is to have the empathetic inclinations and yeah yeah, i i prefer it and i forget that sometimes honestly it's what makes us good friends good partners it's what makes us good humans in the world it it makes us you know able to crank out the art we produce like that's you know and so you know, not our favorite part of the package, but it is part of the package that we feel things whole stinking lot. So, so true. There you have it. Just reframing that for you because it took me a long time to come to that lesson and stop hating myself for or perceiving myself as weak because of that. And so, maybe save some time and I don't hate it. yourself. It's so hard, though. I have. Uh, there's so many things I feel I could identify. <laughs> but that's why we have. <laughs> constructive time like like this where we identify faults in other people or i do just kidding all right well you're right let's distract ourselves from the very arduous (laughs) changing of the lovely seasons outside Ah, the fall leaves have begun to turn and we are feeling more nihilistic than ever they stab at my soul okay so we'll distract ourselves with this cult we're about to join are you ready oh i'm beyond ready Okay, get ready to join a cult with me. I'm going to do the thing that we do because you will be able to get this one, I suspect. So I'm just going to drop some words and you scream out the cult name when you think you know it. Okay. It's okay to be wrong. Don't be afraid I... to throw out some answers. And another important lesson. Let's go. Okay. Let's dive in. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Keep sweet. Uh-oh. <laughs> all right. Continue. Okay. Uh, I mean, you can you can scream out. I don't know if if you can get it in the first try. That's fine. Do you already know? Oh, okay, I'll go ahead. I I feel <laughs> prom- I feel so compelled, so called as to provide you with an answer. This maybe is it fundamentalist Mormonism? Yes, FLDS. Ah, FLDS, a topic that we have been prepping for and anticipating in some way for some time now so very satisfying to be here today 
I've really drawn it out like like a conscientious lover, one might say. I've really like this has been looming on the horizon with me and I've put off talking about it as long as I can and I can't take it anymore. I love them so much. We're we're talking FLDS today. Uh, Hashtag not all Mormons. Hashtag not all Mormons. Certainly not all of them. (laughs) Be sure you know the difference. Yeah. So not the LDS. But the FLDS, which is the Fundamentalist Church of the Latter-day Saints, they're very easy to tell from other Mormons, although not in their underwear. True. Very true. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, Amarin, any thought? what are your thoughts on the FLDS just like as we walk in? Are you Ugh. enamored? Are you disgusted? Are you? And let me say this. We are going to talk about two different parts of L- FLDS, and it is going to be pre and post Warren Jeffs because mm-hmm. FLDS is now synonymous with uh, sexual abuse of children. And let me go ahead and trigger warning, everybody. We will talk about child sexual abuse, the R word. Uh, I think that's it. So we'll be talking about those things today. Some tough stuff. Yeah. So FLDS is synonymous with these things. However, pre-Warren Jeffs, they were not synonymous with these things. Not that these things don't exist in every culture, including this one, uh, but they were not like, that's not what their jam was like it is now. So we will be talking pre and post Warren Jeffs. Um, so when I'm talking to you about FLDS, try to not make it only your thoughts on, on Warren Jeffs. What are your broader thoughts on FLDS? Right. Yeah. Uh, it's a fair question. I will say that for me, I am not a fan of the FLDS. I have negative feelings about the FLDS that aren't related to Warren Jeffs. Um, I think that he's not the only instance of the practice being abused, um, which is hard for me to look away from. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also think that it tends to be a very uh, masculine focused group. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of emphasis on the masculine. And I just, I don't go that way. I'm not interested in that stuff. I'm going to be honest with you. If it's all about men, I don't have time for it. That doesn't mean that it doesn't mean (laughs) that it isn't right for other people. But for me, no way, no how. I it's just I appreciate that there are multiple wives, which is a little up. Spoiler alert. I appreciate that because that's more female power, but not really in the context with which I like to usually see polygamy happening. Mm. Mm -hmm. underneath the values some of them that doesn't mean that it's not that doesn't mean that i feel that it's all bad because i will say that i think that there's some really fascinating aspects that have like nothing negative really attached to them that we can see and look at that i think we're going to dive into for sure uh that being said though i just i think in general i do struggle with it a little bit and but i may be excited to hear some some compelling rationale to the other side I mean, I have a little bit, but all I have is pros and cons. And, and uh-huh. um, you know, I, I think that at this point in my life, this just year or two past, I may have reached full max saturation of all things uh, involving men telling me 
fucking anything fucking ever. <laughs> uh, but previous yeah. to this, I would have like just tap danced my way right in. Um, so tell me this before we dive into it. So so say that you are at the Baker's Creek Seed Festival where I was last spring and a yes. uh, <laughs> group of FLDS girls who are very easy to spot and identify uh, mm. goes like scuffling past you being all adorable with their pretty hair. Your reaction is what? Anger, sadness, pity, frustration with the patriarchy. What's what's your feeling? What's your emotion if they if they scooch on past you? Probably just like joy, weirdly. Like I don't know. It's it's strange mm-hmm. because like I don't I, I wouldn't be mad at them at all. Sure. Well, um, sure, and sure. I, and I would find it super like I don't know, and it wouldn't be pity either. I mean, depending on the context, I could see that being a feeling that came out, but but not just in this general context. Um I probably like Gosh, if I was in a bad mood, I might be like, oh, the patriarchy making them wear those (laughs) long dresses. I could see it. I could see myself on a bad day. But I think if I was just hitting it neutral, I think that I would just be like, oh, you know, some sweet girls. How nice. Um, Doing their thing. Because I, you know, I love the old fashioned aesthetic like we talked about. I love I just I find all of that so appealing. Just mm, I would love to see it. Um, You know, there probably be some beautiful hair going on. I'd like to see that. Um, a lot of good stuff, but yeah, I think, I don't know. It would be different if I saw like, I, I, I think I'd have to see it in context. I can't imagine when I would see like an FLDS person and be like, oh, in public, you know, that would be a pretty big reaction for me. <laughs> Maybe if it was just like a bunch of dudes and they were all just wearing jackets that said FLDS, that might do something for me, but I, that would never well, happen. No, it wouldn't because we know that you know, thanks to the patriarchy, you don't really spot the men, but you very no. much spot the women. Exactly. Yeah. It would be very hard to identify which men. So that's what makes me say, like, I, I guess I wouldn't really have a reaction since I really probably couldn't pull out the men from any other guys generally in the audience, especially at Baker's Creek. Um, and then, right, yeah. yeah, with the ladies, I'd just be like, lovely ladies, you know, like, I, it would be fine. <laughs> I will say my reaction was uh, immediately stalk them, be as yes, close to okay. them and in their presence so that I can feel their vibe as possible without like being an asshole. Yes. Um, slash if they had handed me a dress and braided my hair like that, I'm not overstating it. I've gotten in the van. Like, you were, come on, you were Solace, right there. We're polygamous you would... now. Perfect. Foot in, ready to go. Okay. Give me the dress and braid my hair. You've got me. These girls, I love it. Okay, so yeah, they'd have had me. Okay, patriarchy aside, perfect setting. Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. Excellent. All right, let's join some FLDS today. Are you ready, everybody? We're buckled in. Answer for everyone because they can't answer. (laughs) Uh, Hold on, let me consult. Yes, we're ready. We're ready to go. Amarin speaks for all of you. Okay. All right. Here we go. The Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the FLDS Church, is a religious sect of the fundamentalist Mormon denomination, hashtag not all Mormons, whose members practice polygamy. And of course, polygamy is the major split between uh, the two, right? So let's go back to our Anabaptist lessons where we know that there were Anabaptists. And then when there was a split, there became Amish and Mennonite. And the split was based on shunning. And then Mm -hmm. culturally, they diverged in a very visible way. But but the basis is shunning. That is the basis of the split all the way up to today. That is that continues to be the basis. It's just that culturally, they went down then two paths, right? Same for 
the uh, FLDS and the not FLDS. Uh, yep. The split was over polygamy and they have culturally diverged uh, in two different directions. The FLDS, much like the Amish, holding on to a much more traditional, they just didn't change that much. That's why they wear what we call prairie dresses, right? Because like they were on the prairie when they made the split, right? So yes. they just didn't change much because they are fundamentalists and the definition of fundamentalist is not changing much. So, um, so that's the, that's, you know, that's the core of what identifies you as FLDS is your polygamy. Culturally, there will be more things, but that's the that's the thing you're standing on. So it is estimated that 6,000 to 10,000 members reside within the congregate sister cities, uh, Hilldale, Utah, <clears throat> and Colorado City, Arizona. Um, then it names several others. They've got little communities all over the place. While originally located in Short Creek, now Colorado City, which is a bit of a com- confusing name because it's uh, it's like split over the border of two different states, which is mm-hmm. intentional so that they can kind of constantly skirt the law. Um, but it's called Colorado City. Um, the headquarters shifted to El Dorado, Texas, where they had the Yearning for Zion Ranch, which you'll recall from the big raids on the news a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Let's go through their origins just a little bit. The residents in the Hilldale and Colorado City areas have a long history of practicing polygamy dating to the mid-19th century. It is taught in the community that Brigham Young um, once visited the area and said this will someday be the head of the church. And so that's like their their extra sacred place. The FLDS traces its claim to, to spiritual authority to accounts starting with a statement published in 1912. Um, of a purported 1886 divine revelation to then LDS president John Taylor, they see the 1886 revelation as precluding validity of the 1890 manifesto against new plural marriages by church members. So what they're saying is, you you guys will recall this from when we talked about regular LDS. We need some kind of like, like not F LDS title for LDS. I'm not sure. Um, capital gosh. F. We'll work on it. We'll workshop it, guys. Get let us know. Jump in on this. Let conversation. us know what you think, please, please. Yes, not not fundamentalist LDS. You'll recall when we were talking about the just the straight ass Mormons, uh, that they they share this origin story, right? And that in the 1890s they agreed with the government that they would stop doing polygamy so that the government wouldn't uh, slaughter them or take their land. Um, Mm -hmm. and at that time they split over polygamy, but what, what the FLDS church says is that that happened in 1890, but previous to that, by four years in 1886, there was a divine revelation from the church president who said that everybody has to practice polygamy. And so any, anything you do beyond that is irrelevant because this was the revelation first, although that's weird because, the whole point in Mormonism is that everybody can have revelations. They're all about that. And revelations are relevant when they happen. And that's why it's not inconsistent for them to change their beliefs. Right. Right. Yes. It's, it's why they got to be racist and then say that, well, we have a different revelation now. So now it's it's OK not to be. So um, anyway, they're really stuck on that one, though. They really like it. 
Uh, the FLDS traces its claim. Oh, sorry, I just read that. After the formal abandonment of plural marriage by the LDS church, many members around Short Creek and elsewhere continued and even solemnized plural marriages. In 1904, the LDS church issued the second manifesto and eventually excommunicated the people who were practicing plural marriage, not that they cared at that point. Um, right. Uh, the Mormon church, FLDS and not so and not no F. Uh, maybe we call them the no Fs. The no Fs. The, the no Fs. FLDS and the Nofs um, yes. have a long history amongst both of their churches of just constantly excommunicating each other. It's like they, it's like if kids when they have magic wands and they're like, "I cut your nose off!" Like they just excommunicate each other constantly. They all do it. Yes. Um, Short Creek soon became a, a gathering place for polygamous former members of the LDS Church in 1935. LDS Church. Uh, excommunicated all the Mormon residents of Short Creek um, who refused to sign uh, renouncing oath of renouncing polygamy. Um, so at that point, the, the the lines were drawn. They were definitively different cultures. Nothing was ever going to mend them. Um, some of the locally prominent men in Short Creek, after being excommunicated, later became leaders of the fundamentalist movement. Um, in 1932, these men created the organization known as the Council of Friends, a group of seven high priests that was said to be the governing priesthood body on Earth. All hmm. of Earth. The Council of wow. Friends uh, became the government. It doesn't seem that friendly to me. <laughs> it doesn't seem super everybody has to no. be under you. The yeah. Council of Friends became the governing ecclesiastical body over the Mormon fundamentalists at Shore Creek. Uh, I just wrote a little note here just to myself, like, what an interesting time to be alive and to just be like, I'm I'm the high priest. Me and my seven hmm. besties. We're the high priests of this new. We're the high priests. Whole... That part sounds fun. You know, if that was part of the question, like, would you like to do that? That would be interesting. Um, yeah. The high priest role. I, I will say that aesthetically appealing. High priest. Cool title. Mm-hmm. Council of Friends. Very fun. Kind of Lord You the can't Rangu. have it. You're a girl. I know. But <laughs> I know. I know. But now don't start pointing out these things yet. No, I will not. Let's let's stay on the boat. We're on the boat. We're the early jolly. years. Yes. The early years of the movement were contentious and saw many differing interpretations. By the way, I'm reading to you right now just from Wikipedia, although I do have lots of other sources, but I always do the straight Wikipedia first because it's just the facts, ma'am. The early years of the movement were contentious and saw many differing interpretations and opinions among leaders as to how plural marriages should be practiced. These contentions eventually led to the subsequent schisms that created the multiple Mormon fundamentalist organizations that now exist, including the FLDS Church, the Apostolic Union United Brethren, and the Latter-day Church of Christ or the Kingston Group. Um, These are all very interesting um, splinter groups. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about them is that they have also um, like become their own little subcultures. The Mm -hmm. Kingston Group is, uh, I believe, worth over a billion dollars. They like they very strictly only intermarry in their own family. It's it's Mm. they're very interesting. So we will probably talk about them individually in future uh, episodes. So currently we are talking about FLDS overall, but we're almost talking not about these splinter groups I just mentioned because they went off and did other things. We are basically talking about the main line that didn't splinter off and ended in Warren Jeffs. Okay, right. So that's that's who we're sticking with. Okay. 
blah, 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 blah. The concept of FLDS as a separate church entity did not fully arise until a 1987 lawsuit when the name of the church first appears. Um, Initially, the reason that they eventually established themselves specifically legally as a church was so that they could um, initiate their marriages, have more legal sway in the community. Um, They were also in the hopes that if they became more official, that the LDS church, the the NOFs, the NOFs, would one day come back into order and reestablish the practice of polygamy. I thought it was interesting that even Mm -hmm. as... Like in the 80s, uh, you know, and I guess probably still today, like they hope they so much believe in polygamy that they hope that the that the LDS will come back into the faith rather than just seeing it right. as like two different things. So I thought that was interesting. Um, so there's a little bit here. I'm, I'm not going to cover the splinter group so much just because I think we'll talk about them in other things. But there are some really mm-hmm. wackadooey ones that there are several that are very, 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 very rich and money oriented, like the Kingston group. There are several that are extremely impoverished. Most of those are in Mexico. Um, and they one thing that they all have in common and share is they have a network amongst all of them of basically hiding houses where when one of their uh, people commits a crime, whether against a child or the state or what have you, they just hide them forever and ever. Also, like in this long string from Mexico to Canada of FLDS communities. Um, It's also how they hide people's children when they steal them from families they've pushed out. Mm. So... Um, not cool. Also, they are very well known. I mean, there have been like Hulu dramas about it. They're very famous for murdering yeah. each other's family members. Uh, blood atonement is a real thing that we'll get to. So interesting, Great. interesting bunch of people. Um, let's go here. The first leader of the FLDS church was John Y. Barlow who led the community of Short Creek until his death in 1949. Um, then there was like a long, you know, line of successors because the prophet dies, somebody else is the prophet. That prophet dies, somebody else is the prophet. So there's all these successors until we get to Rulon Jeffs, who assumed the position of prophet, um, which actually, interestingly, his predecessor refused to use. So hmm. there was a pretty exceptionally good leader right before Rulon Jeffs, which kind of set the people up to be extra devoted to their communities, right? And believing right. in their leaders because this leader actually refused to be referred to as the prophet, didn't feel like he'd been anointed, but felt like he'd be a good leader and and didn't pretend he was more than he believed he was. Right. Um, I see. So I thought that was pretty cool, especially given like how much power is easily corrupting and how much uh, men, especially in that culture, not not that ours is that much better, but um, uh, feel entitled to take on any <laughs> any godly role they want to ascribe for themselves. So yeah. anyway, I thought that was nice. But what it did was set up when Rulof Je- Rulof, Rulon Jeffs came in um, and set himself up as the prophet, the mm-hmm. people were in kind of an exceptionally nice place in their lives and were in an exceptionally trusting place with their leaders because they had had a good one. So then comes the legal trouble. Polygal is polygamy is illegal in 50 states of the United States, as well as in Canada and Mexico. Um, I think we also know that in 1953, there was the Short Creek Raid. I don't know if we talked about mm-hmm. this previously. We'll just hit it really quick again. Yeah. 
Um, it's very famous in FLDS lore. It's it's the mm-hmm. big like everybody knows and refers to the Short Creek Raid because it is it's what made them. They were pretty mainstream before this. Like they understood that they were breaking the law with polygamy, but like nobody super hassled them about it, and they weren't like out flaunting it, and so they just were like kind of separate doing their thing, right? Um, in the morning of July 26, 1953, 102 Arizona state police officers uh, raided the fundamental and the National Guard raided the FLDS Mormon community in Short Creek, Arizona. They arrested the entire populace, including 236 children. Of those 236 children, 150 were not allowed to return to their parents for more than two years. Other parents never regained custody of their children. The Shore Creek Raid was the largest mass arrest of polygamists in American history, received a great deal of press coverage. After the raid, polygamists continued to live there. Um, after that, it was renamed Colorado City. Um, but that is really what made them go underground. Did you ever watch the show Big Love on HBO? No, I don't think I did. I know it, I've heard of it. I don't think I've watched it. I could watch it 800 times. It is. Really? Uh, well, it's a fictional story with really great actors, including Chloe Sevigny, who I just think is brilliant. Um, mm. It's it's a story about polygamous, a polygamist family who has uh, left the community and is living in the mainstream. Well, some of the wives were not FLDS the man and mm. one of the wives was so it's this constant back and forth between uh their community which they call the crick right and then ah. like the family living in salt lake city trying to look like normal mormons who aren't in a polygamous relationship and just like you know all the shenanigans that ensue but it's a drama and it's hbo so it's done very well it's excellent actors um but all that to say um it's 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 very close attention to detail all the way through the show of uh, following uh, exact life stories of real people in the community and the exact history of the community. So um, I only say that to say for the people who have watched Big Love and again, successful HBO show. So it, it's pretty well consumed by people. That is quite the accurate um, depiction of of what Short Creek and and the FLDS people in that area, what they live like and how they see the world. Um, and there are many scenes whenever they're driving onto the compound in their car that clearly isn't from the compound. They There's often uh, like uh, footage of women and children running and hiding in their house when they see a car coming or oh. running and like getting in a root <laughs> right. cellar. Right. But that's a real thing. Because they are, they oh, yeah. are so terrified so like the state is coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So marriage and placement, uh, marriage and placement marriage. The FLDS Church teaches the doctrine of plural marriage. States that God commands, uh, in order for a man to receive the highest form of salvation, to have he must have a minimum of three wives. Um, there's the patriarchal doctrine, the belief that wives are required to be subordinate to their husbands, and placement marriage. So, which means you don't marry for love; you're placed in your marriage. Mm-hmm. The prophet elects to take wives from men as well as give wives to men according to their worthiness. This practice is also called the law of placing or placement marriage. The land and houses occupied by the FLDS church are owned by the UEP, but essentially that means they're owned by the church and not by the individual. So you can right. be kicked out Community. of your family home anytime, um, which is used as a weapon, 
right? I've lived on oh, lots big of time. worker-owned communes where I didn't own anything, but I couldn't just like be told that I looked at the leader wrong and you know, now me and my family don't live there anymore. No, um, you're supposed to feel insecure in your housing as a as yes. like, you know, way to keep you complacent. Yes, absolutely. Um so uh so there the there constant lawsuits and difficulties are arise because of the way that the property is organized and the way that they kick people out. Uh the serpent seed, very important part of LDS uh theology. The FLDS church teaches a dual seed line in their variation, Satan's union with God's wife, which produced the black race, was not necessarily for our right. This doesn't even make sense. Was not necessary for our right to choose between good and evil as Eve, as Eve had. So they be they remember we heard this in um, Christian identity. Same mm-hmm. same theory. The serpent seed, right? It's, just, yeah. it's so weird how like entire religions have to like account for people being a different color than them. <laughs> Like they've got to like really hard for them to comprehend it. Mm-hmm. It really bothers them, and it's I I don't know because I don't know everything in the world, and I mostly pay attention to American religions because that's enough to keep your head occupied forever. But I I suspect that I would I would guess that religions in other places in the world don't have to focus so much on making sure they vilify people of color because. We are so focused, especially, you know, this religion got going in the 18, late 1800s, right? Mm-hmm. We are so focused on justifying slavery that we just constantly have to explain why people of color are bad, right? Because mm-hmm. then we don't it's have to feel bad about it. I just wonder how uniquely American that is because of how close we are historically to slavery and how just attached people are to justifying it rather than just saying they're fucking sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think, and this probably is what you're saying, but I definitely think that it's a European thing. Um, And so I do think that you see it in Europe as well, because I think that Mm. England and other groups um, similar that have been conquering or invading groups. Oh, that's true. um, You're right. They did do the same thing. Even yeah. Spain, uh, very yeah. colonizing, um, and so pretty much anybody that took that colonizing approach, America was a little late to the game, um, but desperate to justify their totally inhumane practices for as long as possible, as you said. Um, and yeah, this is a this is a huge drawback of the FLDS, uh, the deep seated belief that people of color are all like like all outsiders are bad and going straight to hell or not hell but you know they're not going to be having a great time um and you are going to be having a great time going right into heaven um if you're a dude with many wives and well and on the serpent seed lesson hashtag Yes, all Mormons. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep, that's a hurtful one, but yeah. <laughs> do look directly at that right yeah. at it and question it because what the hell is that? Mm. At least they fucking said they're sorry. I'll hand mm. that to you. It's true. I mean, geez, it's the baby least steps. you could do, but at least you did it. So, baby all right, steps. Um, baby steps. Teeny tiny ones. Dress. Men and women are forbidden to have any tattoos or body piercings. In general, women do not cut their hair short or wear makeup, trousers, or any skirt above the knees. Men wear plain clothing. Now, this is pre Warren Jeffs. Okay, right, right. So, um, yes, they dressed modestly. 
Yes. But it was pretty much just modestly. Men wear plain clothing, usually long sleeve collared shirts and full length trousers. Women and girls usually wear pastel colored homemade long sleeve prairie dresses. That's more mm-hmm. now than before. Um, with hems between ankle and mid calf, along with long stockings or trousers underneath, usually keeping their hair coiffed. I love their hair so much. (laughs) At the time of his death, FLDS church leader Rulon Jeffs was confirmed to have married 46 women and fathered more than 60 children. It was estimated in 2018 that Warren Jeffs might have over 79 wives because the type of polygamy, which is practiced, is actually polygyny. Polygyny. Critics of this lifestyle claim that the practice of it inevitably leads to bride shortages, child marriages, incest, and child abuse, which is true. Mm -hmm. In 2015, Jeffs's estranged wife, Charlene Jeffs, claimed in a custody dispute that the FLDS church currently enforces a doctrine which only allows women. This is so interesting. So this is one of Jeffs's wives. She has left the community. Uh, She says that the church currently enforces a doctrine which only allows women to have sex with men who are members of the group, which is appointed to be seed bearers, defined Mm -hmm. as elect men of a worthy bloodline chosen by the priesthood to impregnate women. Under this doctrine, men no longer are allowed to have children with their wives. Right. So you can be the head of your polygamous family, but if you have not been this current, not forever, if you have not been designated, designated by Warren Jeffs from his prison cell as a, quote, seed bearer, then a different man will be impregnating your wives and you cannot sleep with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She be wrote a tough in- thing to take. Okay. That would be a. I just that would be a tough thing to take. That's a pretty extreme ruling, even for a lot of groups that we've talked about. That's really extreme. Yeah, there's no different way to say it. Uh, She wrote in her custody petition, it is the husband's responsibility to hold the hands of their wives while the seed bearer spreads his seed. The husband is required to sit in the room while the chosen seed bearer or a couple of them rape his wife or wives. She also described the law of Sarah, which in FLDS women which in which FLDS women perform sex acts on each other. And this is a real thing. They call it the law of Sarah. FLDS women perform sex acts on each other in order to prepare for a sexual encounter with a man who is in the FLDS leadership. Law of Sarah practice in Jeff's community as being, oh, later described the law of Sarah practice in Jeff's community as being akin to a lesbian sex show with Jeff's participating in sermonizing. He sermonizes while he makes them do lesbian sex acts. Oh, by the way, I have um, having worked in the sex industry, I have, you know, like done like first show little lesbian looking things on stage. And I have to tell you, it's not hot. Mm, Yeah, (laughs) it's not so fun if you're not into it. No, if anybody out there is like, well, at least they get to have some lesbian sex. No, they're not. No, it's not fun. (laughs) It's it's a stage makeout, which means you're not actually facing the person. You're kind of half facing them so that your audience can see you. It's not hot. It's not hot. Mm, Can't stress gross. it enough. Very gross. Um, let's see. Uh, with Jeff's participating in sermonizing, just so much grosser to be like, and so saith the Lord. 
uh, also said that mothers who would not take part in this were sent away to, quote, redeem themselves and their children were given to other women. This interpretation of the law of Sarah differs from the description of it, which was given in the 1843 polygamy revelation of Joseph Smith, because Smith only referred to it as a basis for consent to polygamous marriages by wives. Oh, so initially, way back when this was put in in 1843 by Joseph Smith, what he was saying was like, the women basically would kiss each other or something to show mm-hmm. we're consenting to this wife being a sister wife to us. Right. Sort of a ceremonial acknowledgement. Not a hot, 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 triple X. No. Weird sermon scene. Um, mm. Yes. Uh, in 2022, so not long ago, FLDS church leader Samuel Bateman was found to have 20 wives, according to his family, also sought to marry his teenage daughter, um, acted as the self-proclaimed prophet of a Colorado City splinter sect, used his position in the church to also sexually abuse 10 underage girls who he took as wives in atonement ceremonies. There is lots of forced marriage, especially currently. The FLDS church has been suspected of trafficking underage females, across, female children across state lines, across U.S. borders with Canada and Mexico for the purpose of involuntary plural marriage and child sexual abuse. In, F- in essence, it's human trafficking in connection with illicit sexual activity. Um, they are also very famous for really exploiting the welfare system, although I'm going to not call it exploiting because... Because polygamy is illegal, which I actually don't think it should be, um, because polygamy is illegal, you can only have one legal wife. That means all your other wives are legally single mothers. That -hmm. means they're eligible for welfare and they're living in poverty. They should get welfare. They actually qualify for it. But it's the state telling them they have to be they would choose to be legally married. But the state Mm -hmm. has told them that they can't. And so then they apply for food stamps and all their benefits that they can get with their children, uh, of which they have many, and get they get a very large amount of all these wives with all these children get a huge amount of welfare from the state. And so people are very, very angry about this amount of money from the state. But again, like you're the one that made them be single moms, which makes them qualify for this. If you don't like it, change mm. the marriage laws. I, it doesn't seem like something that the state should get, get to complain about. Also, I don't care if we use our budgets to feed people. I just don't care. So yeah, it's not the strongest line of complaint I've ever heard. I'm pretty apathetic about that. Uh, people it's, are eating. It's probably, oh, no. <laughs> right. Not oh. that, not children. <laughs> are we decreasing the poverty line slightly? You know, are we just right? I'm cool they, with that, honestly. They don't Even just have I'm, low protein gruel. Right. Yeah. And they're like kids involved. You know, it's like, guys, it's chill. It's children. Can we not just go past the feelings we have about the religious group for the children a little bit? Honestly, I know we can, can get into philosophical debates about this, but kids got to eat like every day. They don't have time like, for you to have a constantly. whole philosophical debate about whether or not they should be able to eat because of where they were born. They right. just have to eat, you know, like, just, I yeah. they just all of them. So anyway, I'm neutral every on dang that. day. Yeah, <laughs> okay, um, I'm, listen, I'm pro getting welfare when you qualify for welfare. I don't like I have zero problems with it. If you don't want them to qualify for welfare, give them the law they'd rather have justify their marriages like let them. I don't. So it, I don't know. The state falls on its face on that one for me. But it is their biggest actual complaint about them because it's probably the most like 
uh, easy one to stand on. But I will say they call that bleeding the beast. That's what mm. FLDS members call it because it's the beast anyway. Why wouldn't you take all of its resources because we're holy and you're not? So like we'll bleed yeah. the beast, which, you know, look, again, they're pretty good at naming things. And that is a pretty solid name. So I'm not I don't hate that. I think it. that's kind of funny. Also, I am into the fact that it feels kind of anti-capitalistic and I I love that. I don't think, you know, it seems like a total accident, but I'm like, yeah, who cares? You know, it's not yeah. my money. You know I'm never going to see that money. Actually, okay. I'll say this. Technically, it is our money. We're the taxpayers and that's where I'd rather my money go. Amen. And, you know, it's decided. I don't know if you could hear my gavel there, but we went ahead <laughs> and ruled on that point. Excellent. Done and done. Thank you. Finished. Moving on. Um, yeah. So briefly, I assume that I always assume people have heard of these things. So maybe I shouldn't assume there also is the phenomenon of Lost Boys. Amarin, are you familiar? I am familiar with Lost Boys. Take it away. What do you know about the Lost Boys? Other than know, obviously all the Corys are very, very hot in that movie. Go ahead. Well, yes. So fair. Um, I know that Lost Boys in relation to the FLDS religion would be like specifically boys, young men um, mm-hmm. would, would be the qualification. And they would be people that have been shunned, right? Or yes. they're, they're out of the group. They're done with the FLDS. Um, and usually it's just because, I mean, like... A lot of different answers for this, I think, uh, in terms of what actually is going on. But I think probably what we all know is going on is sometimes their competition for wives or they did something out of line. It's pretty explicit that the issue is that if you have half boys and half girls, but one man gets 50 wives, you you got to get rid of most of the young men. And the older men are very, very, very grabby about like having a million wives and having all the young wives. And so they Big basically time. hang around and watch for like, OK, there's 100 young men here. Three of them can get old with us and the rest are going to have to go. So which three are going to play ball? And then when is the next one going to like spit his gum out on the ground? And that's disrespectful. And now he's homeless. So that's how that works. It's just any little infraction to get rid of boys who are competition. And you know what? Young people fall in love. They have hormones. They like each other. They grew up together um, and they've got to put a stop to that pretty immediately so there there's right a pandemic of of lost boys you know and these are boys who don't have a social security number never lived off Mm-mm. of their farm don't know anything about society or culture don't know they just know nothing they don't know how to survive i relate to that and understand it as someone who had to just walk onto a college campus and ask people how you go there you know like Certainly. that shit's really hard and they're younger than me and they're they're well not when i was I was on my own at that age, too. But that shit's really hard. Um, A lot of times they're not even old enough to legally work. I ran into that when I was young and on my own. And it's scary as fuck. And it makes you really like you're already taught that the world is evil. And now you have to live in it. It's just terrifying and horrible. and, And it makes for a really like a large epidemic of young boys who are angry, who are hungry, who are desperate. It really sucks for them. Um, so that's an ongoing problem. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about blood atonement. Hey, this uh, is probably one of the hotter points, I would say, for FLDS. Uh, obviously, yes. the plural marriage is a big thing. 
but I had a hard time not immediately talking about blood atonement when you asked me about the FLDS. Um, I will go ahead and drop one thing that listeners may be acquainted with in regards to blood atonement, which is probably what you were referencing with the Hulu call out under the banner of heaven, um, which is a fictionalized account of a true thing that happened with the Lafferty Uh brothers. Um, I won't go further, but Yes, I think that blood atonement is probably at the moment in general one of the hotter talking points for this group. I mean, how can it not be? A, sexy naming. B, (laughs) really fucking weird, right? You know, it's got everything you want. Uh, It's got a really shocking and attention grabbing name. Can you can you can you give me a better one uh, in that sense? And it's got enough shock and awe to go with that name, I would say, in terms of what they mean by that. It's for sure going to get your true crime buttons going. So here is blood atonement. Under the doctrine of blood atonement, certain serious sins such as murder uh, can only be atoned for by the sinner's death. So what this so when you go and re, like research all these splinter groups, which I've done some of um, when they go off on murder sprees, which they do quite a bit, including the family we were just talking about. It is always based on blood atonement and blood atonement teaches that. And it it used murder here as an example of someone's sin, but it is not, it is literally, it's as small as why they're tossing out lost boys. This leader didn't like that this young boy is hot and this leader wanted to bang the 15 year old, but maybe this young boy is fuck that young boy. He's a sinner blood atonement. And I mean, it, it can be that, shallow and has been that shallow right so or right. or listen i don't like his dad blood atonement on the whole damn family they've all got to go but the yep. the belief is their sin now and if you're the prophet you can see their sin um their sin is so agree and it's kind of only the prophet that can call for blood atonement but don't forget there's like a hundred prophets running around because they all take their own little splinter group and call themselves the prophet of it, right? Makes so it hard to prove that a prophet approved of something, doesn't it? Listen, that's the cult you're in. That's the mm. that's your prophet. There's nothing. You all decided it together at the dinner table because there's only eight of you, you know? <laughs> so like, right. that's it. That's who the prophet is for that group. So the prophet approves this or or rather calls for it um but it it can really be any petty little puts thing a hit out is. on someone straight up the and, prophet and puts a hit out a hundred percent but blood atonement teaches that the the person cannot atone for their sin without dying they cannot and so if you love that person you have to kill them so they can get to heaven because their sin is so egregious even if it's just like eating the last Cheerios, their sin is so egregious that they can't get to heaven without giving up their life to make up for the sin. So that's the theory of blood atonement. But when you believe in that, you don't think my prophet just put out a hit. You think the prophet sees that this person has one way left of getting to heaven. We've got to go get that person into heaven. Oh yeah. That's the, that's almost, yeah. Yeah. It's a very, compelling dynamic that you get put into whenever you find out that someone you love is in a position like this if you believe the doctrine which you know these people are already believing a lot at a base level and it's not a huge jump 
to say that the prophet can also tell you that someone's eternal salvation is in imminent danger. That's not a huge leap. I, I say that because I feel like we, I don't know, this is something we do on Cold Side Join, but it's like, this sounds very outlandish, and it is very outlandish. Uh, it's really out there in terms of things we talk about. But not when you're fourth generation in. This exactly. isn't Heaven's Gate where, like, you've been there for 20 years and you all joined as adults. Your great-grandparents believed this. There is yeah, nobody they, outside of this to you. Yeah, it's tried and true as far as you're concerned. Mm, and yeah. and and it's been the case. And you, why would you doubt it? And unless you've already got some sort of seed of doubt in your mind, this could be very scary sort of thing to reckon with. Now, hopefully, historically, there were people that did reckon with this whenever they heard of that it was time for someone they loved to be atoned this way. Um, really hope that there are people that were like, oh, no, um, I'm not going to do that. I would guess so. Well, guess what? Then you get blood atoned. I mean, that's that's a real thing. Exactly. Exactly what I was going to say is that then you're in trouble. Then you don't see the grand picture that you should be pointing towards either. And your eternal salvation, it's out of there too. And then somebody else is going to do it um, to this other person that you love, which is kind of an interesting dynamic too. Um, It very quickly turns into like a philosophical thought experiment in real life, which is very horrifying. Uh, And yes, wish there was no occasion for that to happen. But yeah, it's, it's complicated. It's a very complex situation for a believer to be put in. Yeah. Additionally, blood atonement moves fast. So once they put a hit on somebody, like you go kill that person. It They don't give you time to think about it because that is when it would fall apart quickly. So right. uh, really they know quickly, what they're doing. Yeah. No, it, I, because it is tried and true. So um, <laughs> really quickly, um, FLDS has a lot of problems with birth defects, um, has the world's highest incident of firma race deficiency and extremely rare genetic disease. Um, it's because the cousins are constantly marrying cousins. Um, mm. So it's that's a problem. It's it's a problem that any closed off, you know, the Amish run into their own uh, ongoing birth defects for the same reason, which was why it was so easy for me to join, I suspect. Mm. Um, they've also run into child labor abuse issues, of course, although I've already said my feelings on this. I don't actually think it's bad to let like they had their kids working in their pecan orchards. I'm sure they overdid it. They seem like overdoers, but... <laughs> Nonetheless, if I had a pecan orchard, I would feel like a good mom to make solace work in it, but I wouldn't keep them out of Absolutely. school. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm all sorry. I've yacked and yacked. So let me let me quickly go through the rest of this. Um, in regular life, pre-Warren Jeffs, um, but post-Colorado City raid, right? So post the Short Creek raid in the 50s, um, but pre- because life wasn't that dramatically different before the short Creek raid. They were fairly out in the mainstream, just kind of not talking about their polygamy practices. After the short Creek raid, they became very closed off. Their places became what people would refer to as compounds as opposed to communities. Um, Church leadership ordered women to begin wearing prairie dresses at that time that covered their entire bodies because basically they were trying to please God and never get raided again. Right. Right. I mean, listen, absolutely. They took their fucking kids away for years or forever. That is so terrifying. I would wear a prairie dress too. I'd do it at whatever you told me absolutely. to never have my child taken from me for sure. Um, also, as we mentioned, FLDS women are not allowed to cut their hair. This rule is in place because women plan to use their hair to wash Christ's feet during the second coming. Um, and also, they will wash their he- husband's feet in heaven. 
uh, which is a great reason to cut your hair. Yep. Cut it off. Here's, Chop it. Here's, here's my favorite thing that's been keeping me up at nights lately. The FLDS are not allowed to wear the color red. This is because... It's so interesting because so many cults have an issue with the color red. Almost all of them do. But mostly it's because it's the bad color. And Too this powerful. belief system, this is because they believe that it is Jesus's favorite color and he wants to wear red when he returns. <laughs> that is the most important. Okay. I didn't know if you would share something truly novel with me that I had not even the most like <laughs> an inkling of today. This I had no idea about. And the fact that the rationale is that they were worried that Jesus is going to come back and see someone else wearing the same thing as him after being gone for hundreds of years and just and be, like, be like, absolutely not. I've this had bitch. It. Uh-uh. <laughs> Where's a temple? I'm throwing tables. I've had enough. <laughs> That's. That's good. That sounds like the Jesus I know. That sounds Look at just this like bitch him. in my favorite color. What do you think you what do you think this is? Are you the son of God? Do you think you're the son of God? Yeah, that's that's hilarious. And yeah. I kind of love it. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. So we come all the way up now to the 80s, 90s, where we've got Rulon Jeffs ruling the roost, right? So up until this time, really briefly, I just want to say, like, when people talk about growing up in their polygamous communities, listen, people don't get on my back about the fact that there was absolutely still sexual abuse going on. People were marrying people too young. Uh, A closed off patriarchal society breeds unhealthy things. I agree with you. But two things can be true at the same time. Also, having lived in many closed off patriarchal societies, I can tell you, yes, there are families where terrible things happen. And yes, there are families that are healthy and happy. That is just like on the street I live in out here in mainstream America. That is just how the world works. I'm sorry that's how the world works, but it works the same no matter where you are. So it's true. That said, when people who didn't experience abuse from their immediate family, most people who talk about living in their FLDS polygamous communities, pre-Warren Jeffs, miss it deeply, yearn for it, want it back, would never have left. Because as we know, it was communal in a way that was really beautiful. As we've talked about with the, you know, regular LDS, they're the no Fs, the nofs, their temples are gorgeous. Their, their beliefs are beautiful. Their ceremonies feel very sacred. You know, you feel like you're doing a sacred thing. Holy shit, their dresses and hair are pretty. I don't care what anyone says. I love them. And they felt very pretty in them, right? Like they felt beautiful they felt treasured they felt even though it's a patriarchy patriarchal society the whole point as a woman i mean as you know perfectly well they are jewels they are their worth is above rubies they are precious they are to be protected they are you know like uh jewels in their husband's crown which sounds nice to them and that's okay that it sounds nice to them they priestesses yes yes absolutely Yes, yes. Um, They have multiple children and multiple wives in very large homes. So they're having communal meals three times a day. They do huge circles where everybody braids their hair. I would commit a lot of crimes to get to live in a place where I sat in a hair braiding circle several times a week. I'm super into it. 
I love it so much. Very peaceful. So, So people remember that time with love, with yearning. There are lots of things about the FLDS culture pre-war and Jeff's, which were beautiful, which were to be um, held up as worthwhile and uh, worthy of giving your life to. So it doesn't have to be your belief system to have a lot of beauty in it. And I think that there was, listen, people don't remember it fondly because it wasn't, it didn't give them a lot of what they needed. And we out here are always seeking community because we don't have much of what the FLDS previously offered. So yes, I understand there were problems. Nobody needs to at me about this, but there were many beautiful things about about the community previously. When Rulon Jeffs came in, he wasn't a monster. However, he is the originator of Keep Sweet. Maybe the mm-hmm. worst and most vile phrase that anybody has ever come up with. Terrible. Very terrible. Yeah. Uh, it's awful. It's creepy. There's nothing good about it. And and But talk about some cult branding because it sticks in your head like a little burr and it never gets out. And I would imagine if I were raised with the phrase Keep Sweet, it would haunt me and I would feel guilty about not being sweet forever um very likely I know it's so. like it's on like people women like needle pointed onto pillows it's fucking everywhere right like and it, what a difficult and the and the meaning was shut your mouth and smile more for women but also for men keep sweet right in fact at his funeral <laughs> he was rulon jeffs was memorialized as the man who taught his community to quote keep sweet forever yeah (laughs) that sounds like a horror movie like an actual horror movie. it sounds really bad no one consulted anybody with any taste when that was crafted as a tagline it's disgusting all the way around so bad okay so quickly here now in comes warren jeffs right so warren jeff starts out as kind of like a nerdy kid he's one of like dozens and dozens of kids of of rulon jeffs he comes up in the ranks. He's not the firstborn son. He's not special in any particular way. Um, but as he's coming up in the ranks, he's slimy. He's slimy. Um, somebody said in one of the things that I read, said, uh, quote, Warren Jess would sneak up behind you. So he became the principal at the school where most of the kids in Short Creek attended. Right. He became the principal. He attended it. Then he ruled it. Uh, Warren Jeffs would sneak up behind you and say into your ear. Are you staying sweet? You never, ever knew when Warren might sneak up behind you and say that. Terrible. (laughs) So so gross. Um, Under Warren Jeff's rule of just the school, girls were punished for showing their cuteness. Uh, Boys were beaten with rods and belts. Uh, He was once seen shaking a second grader upside down by his ankles to, quote, shake the evil out of him. He was also often referred to as really fun and playful. He played with the kids a lot, dressed up as like different characters and played with the kids a lot. I think probably Mm. because he was a fucking predator and he was grooming them. Um, He is accused of sexually abusing many, many, many young children almost entirely males his uh nephew male nephew uh brent jeffs uh did sue him i think that's this is actually ongoing i think it's still in the courts um said that he was raped by jeffs pulled out of school and raped in his school classroom when he was five years old by jeffs and jeffs's brothers what a lovely Mm -hmm. family 
that is um, he didn't come out. Of course, he was told to keep sweet and that he would go to hell if he told anybody. But he came out and told people when his brother committed suicide because he also had been abused and couldn't handle it. Um, So like a lot of fucking real horror going on uh, with this particular family. Um, (laughs) In 1998, uh, Warren Jeff said that he had a revelation that the 2002 Salt Lake City Olympics would be the end of the world. Did not pan out for him. Um, at this time in the late 90s, Rulon Jeffs uh, has a series of strokes and becomes basically like a body in a bed, right? So at that point, Jeff starts consolidating all of his power. One thing he does is he, go out and he goes out and he excommunicates all the leaders of all the outside groups who were kind of affiliated with them. He excommunicates all of them. What this does is that it splits every one of those communities into a small splinter group that now has their own prophet and hates Warren Jeffs and more followers who believed him. So he split every, he excommunicated every surrounding leader and that consolidated his power because every group split in half, half of them stayed and had a a smaller cult leader. The other half moved into Jeffs's ranks. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Very strategic. Very clever. Yeah. Right. He did this while his dad was still alive under the guise of speaking for his dad, who was the prophet. So he did a lot of his consolidating while his dad was still alive, but not like able to communicate. Um, In the year 2000, he pulled all the children from the public schools, so much so that a local public school had to close because it didn't have any kids left. Um, So so he's consolidating all this power. He also made a rule during that time that women should be more modest and wear plain clothes because the women had been really into like, I mean, they don't get a lot of costume changes. So they were really like, I put lace on the edge of my sleeves. I made a frilly mm-hmm. collar, like what they can right. do with their dresses. Um, man, when I was a kid in my church's school, we could wear two different blue jumpers. One had just straps and one had ruffly straps. And that was the two jumpers you could wear. And my mother doesn't sew. So I never got the ruffly straps ever. And it just, I never got over it. I never had the ruffle straps and everybody else had ruffle straps. And uh, like, they were so cool because that was the only frill you could have. And I never got the frill. It, it's very hard when that's all you can wear. Anyway, so they were into their frills. He said, no more frills, no more lace, no more patterns on your clothes, plain dresses. So a lot of things really closed off and shut down while he was, quote, acting and speaking for his father. When his father dies, um, 5,000 people attended his Keep Sweet Forever funeral. And Warren Jeffs got up and spoke at that time, announced himself as both president of the legal organization of the church and the prophet of the church. And by that time, really, nobody competed with him because he basically allied himself with anybody that was in his family or he'd excommunicated them. Right. So either they were going to get positions that worked out for them or they were gone. Um, At this time, he really like yanked families apart. He reassigned wives and children to men that he liked. He excommunicated men who he thought would be a problem. Um, Families who left with their children. He sent out people from the church to talk the middle aged children like teenage children into coming back into the fold. And Mm. so many, many, many children are missing and have been missing for many years now because they chose to follow their prophet, left their families, and are now being hidden in the network of of FLDS houses, um, which is very hard for the parents, of 
course. Um, let's see. That takes us up to, okay, so that last, so now Warren is the despot in charge. He has a church service shortly after the funeral. He tells them the world is going to end soon. It's end times. We've got to close it all in. We've got to be super strict. Nobody goes outside. Nobody talks to the outside. We're all closed off now. I decide everybody who is in and who's out. Um, he took 78 wives altogether, and many of them were 12 and 13 years old, which mm-hmm. is not a wife. That's a child that you're abusing, just yep. to be clear Gross. on the language. Very scary. Yes. Predatory um, behavior. Yes. Uh, it didn't last that long. Um, in 2003, a cop in his sect was convicted of sexual abuse because he had married a 16-year-old. And Warren Jeff said at that time, if they can, if the law can come for him, they can come for me. And he was because, right. Of course, yeah, that's what he was doing. So he went into hiding. So he actually wasn't technically the he had been ruling for quite some time as like a a liar, but he mm-hmm. didn't have his own rule there for very long. However, he had really consolidated and locked down his power over his followers by then. Um, so he then went on the road with like gajillions of dollars because these people own businesses everywhere. They're all free labor. They have shit tons of money. And he just went, he went to Vegas and went gambling. He told his church he was quote, researching the evil world. He went to fucking Disneyland. <laughs> he went to Vegas. He went to the beach. He went to just fucking doing Mardi a little Bra. recon, figuring it out. Yeah. Doing his thing. But he continued arranging child marriages and uh, marrying children. And so in 2006, he hit the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. Um, He was captured shortly thereafter in a wig like a jackass. Um, Funny. (laughs) Like a dumb wig, like a spirit Halloween wig because he's so... Did they not catch him before he threw the fake nose glasses in the trash can? (laughs) I think he was probably wearing them when he got pulled over. Mm, um, very convincing. Yeah. Well, you know, he hadn't done quite enough research on how the world works yet. Um, in 2011, he had his trial. He was sentenced with two counts of felony sexual assault and given life plus 20 years. He's tried suicide in prison several times. Um, he uh, he kind of goes back and forth between um, between saying that he's still the prophet and really continuing to this day to rule that group with an iron fist. He's still arranging the marriages. He's still excommunicating people. His brothers go in with like different hidden recording devices. He delivers uh, sermons to them and then they're taken back and, and played for the people to like continue to lock down, continue to live in fear, continue to be his followers. Um, And so he is still, he is still, very much in charge to this day however he has lapses when he's in prison where he like has a mental breakdown attempts suicide um and tells people i'm actually not the prophet i've never been the prophet i'm a total charlatan you should definitely get away from me (laughs) and then he'll be like no 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 i'm still the i'm still the the prophet um at the same time clarity we all never know (laughs) so fun at the same time, and we are rounding the corner to wrapping this up, but at the same time as all of this going on in uh, in the early 2000s, he also took a large chunk of money, bought land down in El Dorado, Tux- Texas, and built the Yearning for Zion Ranch. So it's so beautiful. Amron, have you seen the footage from the raids of the Yearning mm-hmm. for Zion Ranch? I have. 
I it's idyllic. I mean, it's very pretty. Again, I would join that compound in a heartbeat. Their temple is beautiful, huge, pure white, all the weird secret rooms that we'll never understand. So amazing. All of the like, they have these beautiful like built for large polygamous families. And I love large communal houses. They all look like log cabins, except they're massive. Everybody's in their matching prairie dresses and their pretty hair. I want to live in a place that looks like that. <laughs> yeah, I ugh, not not real not enough you. for me. No, it looks to me like a uh, it looks kind of like a the Matrix created um, a commune and they were like, here's. I don't know. It's it gives me I don't know if you read a wrinkle in time, but like there's a sequence sure, yes. in which uh, like there's all of the, there's this place that this per- that the main character is and there's every, everything is the exact same. And all the little boys come out to bounce their balls at exactly the yes. same time in front of exactly the same house. <laughs> it gives me that vibe. Uh, everybody's dressed oh. the same way. They have to leave their hair like it's just so conformist. And um, beca- and also the buildings are so conf- like I feel it feels very dystopian to me. Um, and and so I think that 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 is what kind of gets me. It's weird because like I know what you're like what you're describing. Have I had I not seen it would sound really good to me. I'm a huge fan of like countryside retreats and things like this. But the area that they're in is so flat and non mountainous sure. that it's just yes. like. I don't know. It's not like they're in like the mountains of Montana and they have a compound and there's a bunch of log cabin me- like mega log cabins, which I think. I think maybe if you moved the buildings, you could get me. I don't know. <laughs> okay. 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 I don't know. So do the same cult in Montana. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll jot that down for my notes. Um, yes. it's, it's interesting that you see it as dystopian. At, like on the surface level, it's very much my vision of utopia because I so love the royal we. I love mm-hmm. like, well, we all wear this dress. We all do this thing. We all wear our hair like this. This is, you know, like I see it as like we're all individuals inside of. Okay, very quickly. I know we're running along. Um, we always do whatever. Um, when I lived with the Amish, which is aesthetically, we're almost talking about exactly the same outfits, right? Um, when I lived with the Amish, something I loved more than anything was the fact that we were all in identical dresses because it felt to me on the inside, like it allowed so much more of us to shine out because our clothes were not announcing anything. They they announce a lot to outsiders, but they announce nothing to insiders. We're all wearing the same right. blue dress, right? And so, so I see your face more because I am not distracted by your outfit. I I hear your essence and your being more because your clothes aren't telling me anything about your preferences. I right. I love that. To me, it feels so much more individual because our clothes aren't aren't correctly or incorrectly telling any part of our story. So for me Very it feels interesting. utopian. Like, yes, we all wear this blue dress. We all wear our hair in this braid. We all have breakfast together. But right. in that we all talk about the things we like that are disparate and we know each other better and better. And, you know, a tenant of probably the thing that polygamous people will tell you the very, very most is that the practice of polygamy is for your soul's perfection because Mm -hmm. it creates so much natural jealousy and intense sharing and working against your instincts, which are to 
take your partner as just your own and and it it demands such such sharing such sacrifice such bending of your ego that uh it perfects you like that's that is what the religion of polygamy is that it is a fire that perfects you that it is not easy it's not like oh this guy gets all these sweet wives it is a perfecting fire that you choose to go through to be closer to god and so just following the aesthetic and the narrative i love it and i'm all in now we're horrible things happening there where child marriage is being arranged. Did Warren Jeff sexually assault a child in that fucking temple and ruin it? And now it's it's literally defiled and nobody can ever go in and worship in it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, yet again, our it. government fucking raided their their compound and yet again like they they fucked it all up and they shouldn't have taken those kids and that was shitty and terrifying and and doubled down on all their beliefs about raids and the government and the world ending um and gave all the kids back ultimately because they should never have taken them and yet again there's our government fearing a cult and that's fine you can uh, let's go ahead and label flds a cult anybody would I might have my own thoughts, but let's 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 all agree that they're a cult. It actually still doesn't mean you get to take their kids. Now, again, are there abuses happening? Yes. I don't think you raid. Also, by the way, they the reason that they were legally allowed to raid is that somebody called in a false accusation and they acted on it in mm -hmm. a massive response. Yeah, the government so, isn't exactly known for measured responses to radical <laughs> groups, uh, and they certainly haven't had it here. I don't. It's tough because, like, I I would never, and I don't think that you are arguing this, but I would I would never push back on the government. Um, I at this point with the FLDS, kind of like you were saying at the beginning of the podcast, it's gotten so insidious. Um, right. They, I don't have any qualms on a high, on like a, on, and I don't know about right or wrong governmental overreach level. That's kind of a different conversation. But I am kind of like, yeah, I do at this point think the religion has evolved to a point where it's unacceptable. Um, in this in this yes. day and age. Um, and yes. I and I know you said that, so I know you believe that you literally said that earlier. In the well, podcast. I want to so, reiterate. Go um, ahead. <laughs> so, so I want to be clear. I know you feel the same way exactly, but I think that it is it is weird because like. Um, there is kind of this line you have to draw and I'm glad you drew it in the podcast today because my feelings are that, you know, I've even read accounts. I've read a lot about um, the history of Mormonism and I've, I've read, there's a lot of different information that I've consumed from a variety of different backgrounds and I've seen information, whether or not it's fully provable or it was everyone's experience that says that, um, that there were women in the fundamental sect of the Latter-day Saints back in the 1800 era where they were very happy and outspoken, like you were pointing to um, yeah. where they were just regular gals, regular ladies uh, who were mothers, who were sisters, who were wives, um, who were sister wives at times, <laughs> but they <laughs> were all of these things together. And um, that, and, and I think that there are aspects of that that are genuinely so pastoral and sweet in a non-ironic way and good. Um, and I totally understand. I will say, and I'm not saying this because I think that you don't know this and I know you said not to at you, but I'm only speaking about myself. So this is not at you. Um, 
even in the beginning, the racial belief system. And I said this in the last Mormon podcast. Oh, fucking awful. You pointed out. I have to just say, and I know we feel the same way, that vein, obviously, just a no across the board, never good. However... I do think that there was a period of time where this kind of a more fundamental time (laughs) where this this kind of fundamentalist religion um, was in a better place. I think that some really evil people came into power in this group, as you've outlined in the podcast today, Um, a specific family, especially that was super evil, but lots of evil players coming into positions Mm -hmm. of power in this group that really led it down a dark path. That's what fucking like hardcore patriarchy does. Exactly. We see this all the time with patriarchal groups. We've seen it on the podcast before. I'm sure we'll we'll continue to talk about groups like this, but it is like, yeah, patriarchal downfall here. And it, and for me, I do think that there are some of the threads you can see in even that early pre-Jeff's um, FLDS belief system and doctrinal base where I am like, okay, I, I understand how Warren Jeffs came in here and was able to manipulate and abuse the system in a way that hurt people. And that I think is bad. However, hindsight mm-hmm. is twenty twenty, is it not? Sure. And sure. all groups, as you pointed out a couple of times as well, oh, I mean, pretty much any group when it gets big enough runs into human evil um, and begins yes. to encapsulate some elements of human evil. And it's awful, um, but it is rampant. And we have to be- acknowledge that and address it and say that, you know, people that are Mormons are not some aliens who just have it out for children. Um, there were doctrinal things that Jeff's put into place. There were like you were talking, there are just all these things that happened. It was a firestorm of kind of grossness there for a little bit, but it wasn't always that bad. Um, and I definitely think that while it kind of snowball affected and got worse for women as time went on, there were definitely times where it was not that bad probably to be a member of this group as a young woman. It doesn't seem that it was from accounts and that I think it would be really nice to have the sense of like sorority and community that you would have within these groups. I love the point that you made. And I've always loved the point you made about polygamy. I find so challenging around the idea of it being perfecting, you know, and that around the idea I love of being that like, too. this is confronting to me because I love my partner so much and I want to like own them and possess them. And that's wrong. I can't do that. We're all just people, you know, like kind of these concepts. Yeah. I love that as a concept. Am I going to, I'm not going to do it. Mm-mm, not me. Too crazy. But, um, I love the concept. Um, And so there are, yeah, I think that there are a lot of really human elements, even in a group that can feel as radical as this group to some people who have less experience with groups like this commute common. Mm -hmm. Wow. What words? Communes, cults, communities. (laughs) The C's really got me on that one. I'm a little out of practice, I guess. Um, But yeah, the letter C. It's okay. With the letter C. I'm not huge (laughs) on the letter C. I've kind of avoided it. I'm a feminist. Okay. I don't believe the letter C. Um, Do with that what you will. Uh, But. (laughs) Yeah, so I would say I kind of can hold the balance, obviously, with the with the newer stuff kind of being a heavier weight uh, and the older stuff being lighter. Um, it's a complicated group. It's a very human group. Uh, and there's a lot of crazy, wild and wacky stuff that went on with them. I'll tell you. Wow. It's a lot, man. And we'll get into the splinter groups because they are their own stories at other times. Um, you know, uh, I would, in fact choose polygamous marriage and having sister wives over monogamous marriage and would always have. And um, both the man that I married and myself, our sister churches, both had people 
in polygamous marriages in our churches. So we both grew up seeing that. Um, not they were not polygamous churches, but that's like people like really trying to do the Old Testament thing will sometimes gravitate toward that. So there were polygamous marriages in both of our churches. So it wasn't that foreign to us. Right. And we know people now in uh, in adulthood still in those communities who are also in polygamous marriages, although they don't always use them well. But um, th- which is to say, in my marriage, I always wanted to bring in a sister wife. I was mm. that is actually my preference because I believe that idea of it pre- being perfecting. And I I love a large family and um, the practicality of a sister wife is endless like so versatile yes for grocery shopping for cleaning the house i could go on and on i don't need you in my room every night like i just to me it is pro 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 so i in fact prefer a sister wife um i know that it's it's not the norm and other people aren't into it but uh frankly i don't understand that so amarin are you joining flds pre-warren jeff's uh probably not just knowing me that being said i would say i say that with significantly less uh judgment that i (laughs) no i'm kidding (laughs) i say that with significantly less um weight because like this would be more like how we talked about oh gosh there's other groups you talked about like the amish um where it's Mm -hmm. like this isn't for me because of the way that I am and the level of yeah. independence that I feel. I'm not a woman to believe that a man speaks for me or is over me, represents me in any way, shape or form. I know that because I come from a group where that's the case and I wouldn't abide it. So there are certain things about myself that have just kind of come up. I wouldn't gravitate towards a group like that personally. I'm not saying that you would or that's the big appeal. I'm just saying that that's the deal breaker for me um, is the concept that a man would have that kind of power over me. And I don't think that was ever less even if you were more outspoken or enjoyed more liberties as a woman in the church i think that you are always kind of subjugated at that same level which is where that's coming from definitely but yes i would definitely say it with a little bit with a lot less reservation pre-warren jeff's completely yeah yeah um i i recall the joy of living in a patriarchal cult in which i and as a child in which um, I loved uh, the freedom of not having to think for myself a lot. And so I I think I gravitate toward those. But I also know I'd never make it past a week <laughs> because they'd kick me out. I would just constantly be like, no, I'm super into this, but I do think you're wrong here. <laughs> they would be yes. like, that's not how this works. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. I love so, it. Would I join them? Yes. Would they let me? definitely no um aesthetic oh aesthetic is probably gonna be probably like a seven for me i like the aesthetic actually i think it's pretty i think that there are elements of the aesthetic that are very good um and we're kind of i don't know it's tough i'm mainly thinking of this pre warren jeffs because i feel like he just got so controlling with the way that things had to look and that limited their their creativity, their range a bit in a way that I feel it was not before. So I would mm. say, yeah, I would say around there personally. Wow, I am a twelve out of ten. <laughs> I, I believe it. it so much. I believe it. Yeah. Uh, um, 
take take one moment with me just to discuss the hair. What are you are you familiar with the extremely elaborate hair poofs and hair braiding? Oh yes, I grew up in yeah, South yeah. Missouri. I'm still familiar with that. Um, I but, but they yes. have like the crazy elaborate, like a braid that loops all the way around their entire head, and somehow oh, yeah. all their long hair is tucked into it. And I mean, it is it is some crazy shit that I love. What are your thoughts on oh, the yeah. hair? I love the hair. Um, I do think that in cultures and communities of which I also came from, one um, in which long hair is a requirement, it's kind of like what you talked about with lace on the jumper. Um, you got to get, you know, there, the, if you have the long hair, there's a lot you can do with it. And there's a lot of power in being able to do things with it. It's also a big flex if you are it is a, a woman big flex. that believes, yeah, a woman that believes that like the more hair that you have, the longer the hair you have, the better the washing of the feet uh, or the better your salvation which you know this is not an uncommon belief actually if you look into a lot of christian mm, areas yep. a lot of women believe this um it is not foreign to i as i've said um but yeah you see a lot of those elaborate hairstyles and i and i love that i think it's a part of the subculture that i i just absolutely adore i went through my phase where i was like i chop it all off i i, I you know we don't like long hair anymore but yeah it's, sure it's over what you needed to do of course, but like yeah. a phoenix from the ashes, long hair has returned to me, and I am obsessed with it, and I love elaborate hairstyles. Um, I will say sometimes they're too much for me. I have seen too elaborate a hairstyle in my day. Oh, sure. Uh, online in a photo book, not in person, but I have seen too elaborate a hairstyle, but it, it takes a lot to get there for me. It does. I love a religious intense braid and that is what these girls are the queens of all hail yes. FLDS girls. You are the queens of the elaborate religious braid, and I give you all props. So I'm 12 out of out of 10. You're 7 out of 10. Uh, yes. Wackadooiness. What you got? Wackadooing is very high. Mormons are always going to take an incredibly high slot for me. I think that it takes – you have to clear so much to believe this stuff. Kudos mm -hmm. on some level, honestly. <laughs> Strength of faith. I don't have it. Um, I think it's 10 for me. Yeah, I, I was going to say too. 10. That's what I was going to say. That's what takes it to the 10. Took it from That's a 9.5 to a 10. Ooh, yeah, I don't even know what to say. Like if any, I just come at me another day with something less intense because everything they have is already operating at a high pitch. And then you add in the big swingers like blood, blood atonement and honestly polygamy, which as being practiced in mass is pretty unusual. I know that not saying that like plural marriage is unusual necessarily, but practicing in groups like this, not common, not something we see a let's, lot of, at least in the news. Let's not forget Sarah's law. Let's not forget Sarah's law. Such a, such a fair point. Mm, yeah. Wow. Yeah. They really took it over the top FLDS with those just really land, land stuck the landing. Well Unreal. done. Well done on wackadooing a scale. Okay, so you're not joining. I'm going to join, but kick, get kicked right back out again. Um, uh, let's see. Warren Jeffs, get fucked. We hate you. You're a bad yeah, guy. You're Everybody knows that now it's not an unpopular opinion, but yeah, you messed up big time. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy your eternity, sir. Yep. Uh, and yep. with that, I say keep sweet. And you know what we should do? We should think of like like uh, a cult side join alternative to keep sweet. Keep revolutionary. Mm. Keep. Oh boy, this is overly so sensitive many to the seasons. Incredibly, incredibly advantageous to us. Mm. So many options there are. 
Okay, let's let this roll around in the old noggins. In the meantime, don't wear red. It's Jesus's favorite color. For fuck's sake. If Jesus were to come back, would you be wearing red? Think about it. Think about it. (laughs) And with that, we say namaste. We'll see you next week. Hey, friends. If you are loving Cults I Join and want to help us share the fun, here are some actions you can take. Subscribe and share the show on any podcast platform. Rate and review us on Google. This keeps us visible and gives an angel its wings. Or at least that's what our guru says. Follow us at Cults I Join on the .com, the Facebook, and the Insta, and then hit us there with all your comments, discussions, and questions. We really do love hearing what you think. Finally, a huge thank you to our co-creators. Editing and post-production is by DeverWeb, and the biggest thanks to the incomparable Miss Devin Spruill, our theme song creator and performer. You should go soak up her music right now. And that's it, y'all. Thanks for listening, and happy culting.